Welcome back. It's time for .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. And we're in our respective corners of North America. I'm still hanging on the coasts. They call it the Sunshine Coast, but really the past couple of weeks has been the Smoky Coast. <laughs> very, very, lots of forest fire smoke. Yeah. Oh, oh my. Yes, oh my. I'm still hacking. Well, enough chit-chat. Let's get to something really cool for Better Know Framework this week. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? This came to me from Brian McKay, and he said, you're welcome. <laughs> Cornify.com. Cornify. Cornify.com. As in to add corn. Unicorns and rainbows on demand. Okay, so unicorn cornify. All right. <laughs> Uh, any ninja cats? No, it's just this. This is like you just click a button and unicorns show up on your page. <sighs> and the best part is when they cover the button, it doesn't matter. You can still click for more unicorns, and of course, you can put unicorns and rainbows on any picture you want. Because that's something we need. <laughs> I, and I like that they're sparkly too. They're besides. sparkly. They are also sparkly. I like how it gives you a little pep talk. Amazing. One more time. Wow, you're doing it again. <laughs> on one hand, it looks like they're using the canvas to drop these things on, so it's modern. On the other hand, it's like GeoCities called and wants its web page back. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's totally right. My Little Pony. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's that mixture of web technologies there, clearly used for evil. Somebody's kids were really happy when their parents or mother or father made this and said, you know, Here you go. instant babysitting right there. Yeah, just keep clicking on the button. You, you know, this just isn't any unicorns and rainbow sites, as they're quick to tell you at the top. <laughs> yeah. It is the number one. Unicorn and rainbow surface worldwide. Because apparently there's a hierarchy to unicorn sites. And I like spreading sparkly happiness around the world. And they had to put 150 million plus unicorns and rainbows provided. Do they have a page counter? Because, you know, all good websites have a page counter at the bottom. <laughs> that reminds me, I, re I remember when McDonald's had a sign that it said more than 1 million served. Mm. <laughs> It's because you're old. Oh, oh, that is, that's like, where were you when the one millionth burger was sold? I saw a McDonald's marquee that said, help wanted, 69 positions available. Oh, no. It's, uh, that's what it said. Okay. I'm just, I'm just the bearer of news. Anyway, Richard, who's talking to us today? Well, we got Ward on the show, if you may have noticed. And so I went back to his last show, which was Back in October of 2016, a little while ago, episode 1366, we talked about Angular 2 and the new documents engine, all good stuff. And this comment comes from Dale Bernard a couple of years ago, and he said, I'm perpetually behind on listening to .NET Rocks episodes, and I usually don't care to comment on something that is old news to most people. Yeah. However, I want to give some kudos to Ward Bell for a great episode about a subject that is often considered less interesting than coding. We've all suffered through reading documentation that only made sense to someone who already knows how it works. Sorry, that was me. Yeah, that would be everybody. I don't use Angular, but I listened to this episode anyway, and by the end of it, I was dying to go write some great documentation for the technologies that I do work with, including a scientific camera API for C++. 
The idea of delighting someone with fantastic documentation is every bit as intriguing and is delighting them with a good API. Yeah. And you think about it, in the past two years, I mean, since Ward talked about that and, uh, you know, Dale's comment and so forth, just think about what happened with docs.microsoft.com. Just Bill Wagner, uh, that's what happened to it. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with it there, but a bunch of great people. Not just him. Yeah. You know, Dan Fernandez is driving that project too, and he's um, he's amazing also. But yeah. somehow, and I clearly, as is normal, Ward was on the stylish leading edge of this. Yeah. Docs have become sexy. Yeah. I mean, not as sexy as gold lame pants, but sexy. <laughs> and and we're all making, seem to be making better docs, you know? Yeah. Microsoft's doing a great job of it. The Angular guy's doing a great job. Clearly, Dale's now doing a great job of it because he got all excited too. Well, if you think about it, docs are just informative pieces of information. And whether that comes with interactive coding, media, video, you know, text, code snippets, a blog post. I mean, the word documentation, typically, when it conjures up images to those of us who are over 50 anyway, of, you know, badly written, uh, but badly written documents by interns, you know, that barely understand the business model and don't have a lot of detail in them. either that or just shells of documentations that are covered, but not filled in like, right. you know, when you have a method and the method, let's say, is print and it says this invokes the print function. Right. You know, something like that. <laughs> customer ad adds a customer. Excellent. Okay. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. That's like uh, documentation generation. Exactly. Yes. Hey, right about now, then it, it's time for you guys to queue up right said Fred. So we're doing <laughs> I'm too sexy for these docs. That's what it is. Dale, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet because we spray unicorn dust all over them. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I could think of. All right, well, let's bring Ward on to save me. Ward Bell, of course, is president of IdeaBlade, an application consulting company with more than a decade of helping its customers build business applications on the web using .NET and JavaScript HTML technologies. Ward is also a Microsoft MD and a snappy dresser. That's true. Welcome back, Ward. It's really good to be back with you guys. I always look forward to it. Yeah. Well, and, and you're famous for your remarkable outfits. But still, my favorite, one of my favorite moments of all time, any time that I see a geeking out happen that is not in my language, I get really excited. And watching you and my wife go over your zoot suit in detail, <laughs> stitching technique and lining approach and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, look, there's two people geeking out that I do not understand what they're geeking out about. But <laughs> there they are. They're doing their thing. That was a great moment. You know, Richard, I, I, I didn't know the right way to say this, but I really do look forward to seeing your wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you know, not only do you geek out about clothes, but all sorts of technologies and languages and things. Reactive is a big thing in your wheelhouse and Redux and the Redux dance craze is what we're calling this show. I guess that kind of sums up how we feel about it. 
it is kind of crazy what's going on. Maybe you can set us straight from the beginning. Well, I hope to. We should position this like, what is it for in the first place? And, mm-hmm. and I think we can safely assume that a fair percentage of our audience won't even know what we're talking about. Is that a... Yeah, probably. Let's, let's assume that. All right. Yeah, even if they do. So people do know that, that, that we've been building applications uh, that run in the browser for quite some time that we've been calling spas. Mm. Yep. And for years, we've been messing around with the application frameworks, the things that sort of figure out how you put stuff on the glass and so forth. And that's where the attention was. And for years, there was also this problem, if you were building these things, about how you manage the data that you're getting from a database somewhere on the server, and that creates the model that you then use one of these application frameworks like Angular or React or Ember or Aurelia or whatever it is, whatever the flavor is. Right. That you use one of those things to take that data and put it on the screen, collect information from the user, and put it somewhere. We were so obsessed with figuring out how to do the application layer that I couldn't get any, you know, I, I can't say anything because you folks were really good at bringing me on to talk about data management on that client. But to be honest, people were so focused on the getting closer to the glass that they didn't see this as a problem until they started building these things. Right. Then the fun began and people started winging it because, you know, how hard can it be? Yeah. yeah right. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, you just, you know, you got Ajax, you make a little call to an API, you get some customers back and you chuck them on the screen. And the really hard part was chucking them on the screen, right? That's why I need these big frameworks. Right. That isn't true. It's all like where you're looking, right? And if you're focused so exclusively on how to get on the screen, you just don't get to this stuff. But now they're getting to it. And so there was a sort of realization across the whole spa space that we didn't know how to do it. (laughs) <laughs> that there were lots of ways to do it, but not, none of them were particularly satisfactory. In fact, people were making a big mess. And the place where this was super obvious was in React. Now, you all, you guys know I'm an, primarily an Angular guy, but mm-hmm. yep. we look at all these other frameworks. And Angular has this uh, dependency injection thing, so it's really easy to inject services and things into your components. Right. React doesn't think that way. React... The way you communicate up and down through components is through property stuff. You have these sort of global things they call a contact context, and they're going to shoot me anybody who's a React person because they're they're going to say I'm butchering this. But you know, for a broad audience, the basic issue is how do I, at any level in a component hierarchy, get access to my data and manage data in a responsible way, and how do I do that? knowing that different components, different pages of my application are all having to share some of this data, particularly if it's data that's on the server. Yeah. Really hard, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can mess it up. People did. And for React, it was really important to come up with a mechanism that would flow nicely among the components that they had, and they couldn't use dependency injection to do it. They came up with various patterns. And the one that it has emerged as successful as something called Redux. And it has a couple of core principles. The most important one is that there is a single store, a single cache of shared state. And I only mean shared state, like whatever you do in your component, that's your business, right? But if you're going to share it around the app, 
you want to keep that state, that data in the store. And another principle is that it is immutable, which just like, we're going to get into the mutability here in a second because that just like blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm writing a forms over data app. That means I'm changing it. What does immutability mean? I mean, immutability says don't change it. And yet here I am talking to a user who's trying to change things. How does that work? What's going on there? Yes, it's, it's, we'll get to that. And then there's another sort of orthogonal idea called reactivity, which says, basically, I don't write code that tells the application what to do. I listen to things that are happening in the outside world, and I make the application respond to them and react to them. Right. That doesn't sound crazy at all. No. You know, it's easy to say. All these things are easy to say. Wow, if you're starting out trying to program in this new model, it's full of surprises. Yeah, I bet. So React, not only do they have these principles, but then they came up with a mechanism for it. And this is, let's see, you know, even if I were to draw it, it would be a challenge, but let's let's have some fun. All right, I like fun. Let's try and put your thinking caps on, ladies and gentlemen. Follow this. Actually, before I do it, I want to express it in terms of something else because I might get the terms not perfect for React. What I want to say is that this pattern, this attempt, this solution to how we manage data on the client was picked up by Angular because all these frameworks look at each other and they said, wow, we can use that. We need that. We can do better than that, right? So they took the Redux pattern and recast it as something called NG, that's Angular, RX. And the RX part is they said, it's wonderful that you can have this place to store in these ideas, but we also want to use observables at the RxJS library in order to be able to watch what happens to the store and push that, make make the replication react to it. So I live in the Angular world mostly. So NGRx is the flavor of Redux that I'm familiar with. So here's okay. here's how it works. So you want something from the store. Maybe you want to put something in, you want to put it out. Anything you want to do, you create something called an action. An action has a name, the type, arbitrary string, mm-hmm. and an arbitrary payload. So it's a message. If you know anything about messaging, this is the payload and the message. So that's one thing. Hold that in your head. You got an action, but you got to do something with it. Yeah. So what you do is you dispatch it to the store. That's send the message. So you have to get this thing called store and you send the message there. So. That's great. But what is the store going to do with it? The store isn't going to do anything with it. It doesn't know what to do with it. So what you have is these things called reducers. Reducers are functions that take your action and an action in, and the store is going to give it a collection or, or a, an object that's representing the state associated with that action, yeah. like, say, yeah. a collection of persons. And then you do whatever you do in your reducer, and out of it comes... The immutable, it's got to be immutable at all times, a collection, a state, you know, that you were handed, you give it a new state, and anything you touched has to be a new object, immutable. So you got two things now, action reducer. States that and replaces the previous state in the store with that state. All right, you got it in. Yeah. You got to get it out. How are you going to get it out? So the way you get it out at least in GRX, is you build selectors. 
Selectors are a function that looks over the entire store. Because remember, the single store owns everything. Hmm. It's a big object graph, basically. It's store at the stop. And then if you've got persons and you got persons here, or maybe you got session state, and within session state, you got something else. And you can imagine a whole tree, right? Yeah. So you write a function that is essentially a filter over this object graph and plucks out what you're interested in. And that's a selector. And then you've got to turn that into an observable. So you tell the store, here's the function that selects it. Give me a selector for it. And the selector is an observable. Now you've got an RxJS observable. Are you keeping track now? Are you keeping count? Yeah, it, yep. it's getting complicated. <laughs> we ain't even there yet. Because now you got that. I didn't even talk about, you know, I left out of two or three other pieces. And now, so now you go, you know, you drive, it's like playing the music. You sort of drop a penny in here and the ball goes up and around and over and down and out and back to you. And there you got it. And now you got the data, except that describes the things you do synchronously in memory. We haven't gone out to the database or gotten anything like that. Mm. We haven't left the building. Mm. (laughs) Instead of talking... To you, if Richard wants to talk to Carl, he doesn't talk to Carl. He talks into this horn, and it sends some message out around, and it might end up in Carl's ear. Kind of like Skype. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, and when I hear you say RX, even in the context of NGRX, I immediately think reactive, not Redux. So is it? Are we actually following the sort of reactive programming patterns here as well? That's really a great question. The way it fits into the reactive pattern is that I will separate the dispatching of this action from the response that I get out of the store. And so I might hook a button up on the screen to something that dispatches an action. It reacts to your clicking. And then it flows through the system. And then because I've got an observable telling me how the store changed state, it's sort of pushing values back into the application mm-hmm. that show up on the glass somewhere. So I might add an address. You know, I did one thing here over in my left hand. It created a new address. And suddenly over here in some drop-down box of all the addresses I've got, the list will magically increase by one number, the new address that I've created, and there it is in the drop-down. Yep, yep. So everything is reacting to everything else. Nobody said, I wrote the code that pushed it into an array of addresses and and force those addresses to appear on the screen. Right. They just hook something up on the screen that is a combo box or something like that that's tied to this observable that is looking at the state of all addresses. And somewhere else, somebody said if they push this button, it's wired up to dispatch an action. Mm. And I take my hands away and all of it happens. And it's just beginning to get interesting to me. So let's hold it right there for just a minute while we take a moment for a very important message. Hi, this is Richard. The Dev Intersection Fall Show this year will be December 3rd to 6th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Hotel. The lineup is awesome. Scott Guthrie, Scott Hanselman, Scott Hunter, yes, all the Scots. But also a ton of great industry speakers for some insight on what's coming up in the world of .NET. You know, Core 3 is bringing client technology like WinForms and WPF into play. Could it be time to migrate your existing desktop apps to this new technology? Come learn more at Dev Intersection, December 3rd to 6th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. Go to devintersection.com to register and use the code .netrocks to get a discount. All right, we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. That's Richard Campbell. And that is Ward Bell. And we're talking React, Reactive, and Redux. 
and all of those things and how they work together. And yeah, it sort of makes sense. I mean, if you've used any of these libraries before, you know that they all have their own architecture. They all have their own uh, rules and and opinions and the way of doing things. But I got to tell you, I kind of like the sort of the signal R model of just things happen. They come to you. You don't have to pull for them. You don't have to push anything out. Once you set it all up, it just works. But I got to imagine that can sort of get in your way sometimes, can it? You know, it all sounds very simple when you follow one chain and one action. But what happens is that you've got hundreds of these things. Right. right. And they're all dependent on each other. Uh, they can very much be dependent on each other because you're really not interested in just one change. You're interested in the change of a variety of pieces of state that are maybe in your store. When the customer changed and the person changed and the address changed. Mm. And when they all change in a certain way and you're only interested in if they change in a certain way, but you got to bring all those things together and output some kind of a result. And you do this all with observables, mm. which were invented by Microsoft for people who don't remember. Yeah, that's right. This whole RX thing, reactive thing happened oh, a decade ago. Yeah, right. And it landed with a giant thud in C Sharp and so that it almost I, it disappeared from my memory. I don't know about you guys, but it resurfaced in JavaScript in a really big way. Yeah, because of course the early reactive stuff was very .NET centric, you know, back in the day. And I'm thinking Matt Podwasaki, those guys. Yep. And yeah. then the uh, RxJS came along, and just the idea that this was possible in JavaScript, I think, really stirred some heads. But it's interesting, to, you know, it's cool to hear you talking about it and just realize that these concepts from all those years ago have resurfaced in this form of you're reacting to changes in a browser DOM, which that's cool. It is cool. It's mind-bending if you haven't really lived it, but it gets to be powerful because there's this, oh, this whole arithmetic, this toolkit for welding all of these different event streams together to get what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. And that's what RxJS is. And that's the only way you could make this whole uh, architecture work, you know, in a way that makes sense to me. I mean, you can't do it just like I'm listening to six or seven events and then try and figure out how to put it together. You need, yeah. you need a toolkit. You need a way of thinking and looking at that, a kind of functional programming that allows you to stitch these things together. And shockingly, at first you think this is just like, you know, PhD stuff, but eventually, it, uh, the mere mortals can get this just, you know, like, I, I guess in the back of the day, you know, pe- you know, people were shocked by four loops or something like that. Right. And once upon a time. <laughs> you had to have, you had to be genius to write a for loop. And now we take it for granted. Now, if you write a for loop, you're slacking because you don't know the Lambda. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, what is this for loop stuff? Yeah, exactly. For each used to be cooler than four, you know, with a counter, but now for each is like, hey, why are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah, really. You should be filtering and mapping and blah, 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 right? Exactly. And that's where we are here with this stuff. And so if I really want to, I'll start sneering at you guys for all of your imperative programming because, you know. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You can do, you know, a little combined latest with latest from and a little zip and a little of that and a take first because you had it. And before you know it, I've chained these things together and 
little dot any of dot any of dot any. Go for it. Yeah, look at how clever I am. <laughs> exactly. I'm totally inclusive and out of memory. Oh, and if you want to look at a stack trace of this stuff, you're really in for a joy. Yeah. I'm not putting it down. I, I mean, I, I think it's very powerful, very, very powerful, but it just goes to show how, you know, styles change and expectations change. Man, I, I couldn't live without my lambdas today. Well, I know. I mean, yeah, and in JavaScript, it's crucial to have your lambdas because otherwise you're wondering what happened to this. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, yep. <laughs> yep. And so, and I didn't even get into effects because we remember I said this was all synchronous. Right. But obviously, you have to make call to HTTP. So the way that works is you chuck this action in and the store doesn't do anything with it, but something else is listening to it and sees that you asked for data. It goes off asynchronously, gets whatever it is, does whatever it does, and then it comes back by dispatching success or fail action. So now, now a single call for data involves not one action, three. Mm. The one that initiated the idea and then two others, one that's the result of the asynchronous fetch it's if it succeeded or the one that represents the action if it failed. And so, the, you know, you got parts explosion. You got pieces all over the floor. Yeah. Right. Is this a good thing? Well, <laughs> you know, we haven't even talked about immutability. Uh, uh, right. If you have all your life, you have data bound, that text box, the first name property of a person. Right. I changed Richard's name to Sally because he's always wanted to be a Sally. Haven't we all? Admit it, Richard. I'm not good. Admit it, Richard. You've, you've got the pom-poms and everything. All you need is the name. And this is the cheapest <sighs> surgery you'll ever have. There you go. Blonde ponytails. Long, yeah. So, so anyway, Richard wants to be Sally. Can't he just change the property of person and be done with it and save that person? Isn't that the way we've always done it? Right. It's so simple. No, you can't. Person is immutable. So you have to go through the dance. And, da, 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 da. and so when you come out the other side of that and Richard's person is now named Sally, out comes another object. And now you have one object. It's the same person represented. You know, it's got the same ID. It's Richard or was Richard. In one hand, you've got Richard. In another, you have an object that says Sally. And somehow in your component, you have to let go of the old one and take the new one and put that one on screen. All right. Hmm. So you have to get used to not being able to mutate an object that yesterday you changed properties. Right. Yeah. I mean, setting a property is something we all do. It's not allowed when the object is shared. Mm -hmm. Imagine a world in which you cannot set the property of a shared object. For damn good reasons. <laughs> I'm sure they're great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So anyway, this is, creates a new programming paradigm. Hold it right there, because we have something we have to do here, Ward. Richard, you know what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to ward off evil spirits by ringing the bell of peace, love, and gold lamay. <laughs> there it is right there. What in the world is that? The bell of, the bell of peace, love, and gold lamay. <laughs> it I sounds it. dented. <laughs> uh, sorry. Sounds like we're in a monastery. It's time to time for prayer. And now my children. Now my children. 
bow your heads. We are entering the church of reactivity. <laughs> it's actually time to give away a $200 Amazon gift card, compliments of Progress Telerik, to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about the most comprehensive developer toolkit for building modern apps on the market today, Telerik DevCraft. With more than 1,100 Telerik.NET and Kendo UI JavaScript components and controls, you can easily build modern, high-performant web, mobile, and desktop apps as well as chatbots. The toolset also includes reporting solutions, automated testing, and productivity tools, and comes with a wide range of support options. New this year is a free online training program for all license holders. With this, alongside thousands of demos with source code, comprehensive documentation, and a full assortment of Visual Studio templates, you'll be up and running with the Progress Telerik and Kendo UI tools in no time. Download a free 30-day trial at Telerik.com slash download. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Benjamin D. Harkins. Congratulations, Ben. Congratulations, Ben. Golf clap for you, sir. Yeah, and Ben just won a $200 Amazon gift card. Compliments of Progress Telerik, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you'd like to be a member, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the fan club. But, you know, you got to sign up if you want to win. So, Ward, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, sir, what would you be buying? Oh, dude, I've got two great choices. All right. And it's just like, where do I get the money? Now, one part of me wants to make that a down payment to my Kickstarter campaign to send Ward into outer space on Virgin Galactic. Ah, there you go. It's only $250,000. Only. Huh. And so if 250 people just throw a thousand, just a thousand dollars into the pot and I have my little $5,000 to get the flight uh, down to New Mexico or wherever to take off. Yeah. You can send me into orbit for 14 minutes. You know, one could argue you're already there. (laughs) (laughs) It's legal in California. Yeah, I don't know why you're picking Virgin Galactic, because it sounds like Blue Origin's going to actually be up and running first. Oh, I know. It's a big contest. Yeah. It's just like, which ship would you like to blow up on first? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what neighborhood would you like us to scatter your ashes in? Yeah. It's, well, you get instant ashes. That part is free. That's it. Like, directly <laughs> to ash. Direct to ash. From you to ash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But... But maybe I can't have that. So last year, I rode an electric bicycle across Switzerland. Oh. You may have heard they have hills there. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I'm keeping things from you. How long did it take? We probably took a, you know, 10 leisurely days. Wow. From Geneva to the Bodensee to the German border. Cool. It was so great. I mean, I'm a, re- I, you know, I thought I, I, I sort of said, you know, by electric bike, but my sister and my wife were on and we all wanted to ride together and we're at different levels. So they were going to have, they like, and I would just, I would just touch it every once in a while. Man, I got to tell you, it's, it's like pain relief. It's morphine drip. <laughs> You're going up that hill. They're already up it. 
and that button is right there in your left hand, and all you have to do is just <laughs> <laughs> and you're and resisting. And oh my goodness, it's good. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Dude, he's mainlining electric bike right on the show. I know it. I know, I know it. Oh, it's terrible. And so I'm hooked and and I want, I want, right? I covet. That's what we now do. And there's Trek's last year that it they have a sale on the bike that brings it into our five thousand dollar price range. <laughs> it's two thousand dollars off the normal seven thousand dollar price. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's a discount. For yeah, yeah, for the Turbo Levo FSR Expert Six Fatty. <laughs> nice. Now, one of this is a feature, uh, Richard, that I know you'll love. And maybe Carl, this you love this too, because when you pay seven thousand or five thousand dollars for an electric bicycle, you are probably saying to yourself, where is the bottle opener? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I say that all the time. I know you do. I know you do. Answer is for right here. Because if you turn that bike upside down underneath the crankshaft, baked right into the carbon fiber, is a built-in bottle opener right at the bottom. That is so smart. Is that smart or what? That's great. That's why I got to have it. I got to have it. Give me the five. I want to win. Give me the five. All right. Well, nice. There, you know, there's no chance that a guest can win, but Ugh. if you did win, yeah. you may have just inspired somebody to go to space or get an electric bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For better or worse, every winner we've ever had has been remarkably responsible for, with the money. Yeah. Really? You know, they, they really have gotten like work-related stuff kind of thing. <sighs> a new rig. Oh. Mostly new computers. <sighs> what a waste. I know. There was one guy who got one of every phone tablet device, right? Yeah. But that's, that's also kind of working. I want somebody to say, I want $5,000 worth of wiffle balls and make myself the biggest ball <laughs> oh. pit ever, right? Like... <laughs> I got a 20 by 20 room. I want to put a dive board on it five foot high and be able to swim <laughs> under the balls. Now that, that is a $5,000 prize. And, and then you could send yourself to, and this is real, the National Wiffle Ball Championships. Look it up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Really? It really. It's an, it actually international. There's an international Wiffle Ball Championships with whimsical names for the teams. I highly recommend it. Well, I got to check it out now. Wow, too bad we have to end the show early so I can look that up, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Can I slip one little promotional thing in here? about Because I was telling about NGRX, and I'll do it really fast. I'll do it in one second. Yeah, go ahead. I drew a, a sort of scary picture about this, you know, all the parts and pieces. So, John Papa, you know John Papa. Sure. We know John Papa. And I have developed a library for NGRX called NGRX Data which takes all this boilerplate out of your hair. And so you still got NGRX, but you don't have to write any of those events, reducers, blah, 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 none of that stuff. It's open source. And as a matter of fact, the people who make NGRX like the idea so much and like it so much that it's actually going to become part of the official NGRX family. So that's, wow. Wow. That's my open source contribution for the year. Nice one. Wow. Very cool. Congrats, man. That's great. Yeah, it's great. I like the open source community a lot. Yeah, when you make when you make a library so cool that they just incorporate it into the product. That's a heck of a pull request. So what about migrating existing Angular apps? Like people struggle with this stuff. They've gotten to a certain place with their Angular app. How do you integrate this pattern into it? 
Well, it, it does change the way you do things. There's no question sure. about it. And so I don't recommend taking an existing application and changing this unless you're just, it's, you're so disgusted with the way in which you're managing data. Like you're ready to take it apart. Yeah, you just have to, unless, you, yeah, if you feel like you have to pull it all apart. So I, I don't recommend that. But I think that on a Greenfield project mm -hmm. where you're facing this again and you want to get on board with a pattern for managing data and you don't want to use Breeze, I still think Breeze is the best. But if you... I got nothing bad to say about Breeze. The Breeze is that idea blade thing. Yes, it's open source, but too small. I want to go with, I want to go mainstream. Then um, I think NGRX is, I'm convinced that the emerging patterns for using NGRX beats right at yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just a, it's the right place for that stuff to live. And, and it's tricky. There, there's some other competitive, there, there are other emerging things coming out, but don't write it yourself, man. Yeah. That's the thing. People have already solved this. Because you were using Breeze before Angular was really a thing. Didn't you use, start implementing Breeze against something like Durandal back in the day? Oh, and before that, we even had it against Backbone. And it's still there and it's still great. And we use it on, on yeah. most of our clients' applications. Hmm. For the last year, this is the other scary thing. I, yeah, like you guys, I love to go around and talk about technology. And mm -hmm. I throw a few demos together and then I run away before anybody holds me to it. But right. I've actually had to work the last year on a real project, a real customer project. And I'm using this stuff on it because they... They wanted something mainstream. They were worried that Breeze was a product that belonged to a small company. Mm, right. They want to do Angular. They want to be part of the movement. And so I said, under those conditions, I will allow you to try NGRX. So I'm actually, uh, you know, this stuff is living in, in that. And it has been, a, it's a challenge, because, particularly if you're used right. to thinking the way most of us have. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it'll get you there. Yeah. Yeah. Not a trivial change. When I looked at React, it looked very cool, especially building components and the way that the hierarchy works. And sort of, it's sort of like CSS for components, right? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Or you know. Yeah. Components inside of components inside of components, and right. And there's a mechanism for communicating up and down. Up and down, right? Which is you know in a traditional object hierarchy, you sort of have to build that stuff in. Mm -hmm. You know. So yeah, I, I do like that idea, and of course it's stinky fast oh my god they all are you know ah. yeah all the view which is the other new kid on the block mm. react angular they're all really fast now yeah is it just because the browser's gotten fast and the machines have too much horsepower or is it we're actually making more efficient code it's partly that but it's also you know they've adopted a pattern that of this, as they call the unidirectional data flow, right? Which means they're constructing these things. Very, they're very, very careful about how they construct mm -hmm. the DOM and how they listen to it, and they keep you from getting into endless change detection loops and things like that. So it's just really architected well, and people have put a lot of energy, and they're all looking at each other and learning from each other about how to make these things fast. And the browsers are getting fast. Right? Did we cover the Redux pattern enough? Really? I can. I think we might want to go dive into that in a little more detail. Well, okay. So I talked about the, the pieces, the, the action, the reducers that puts the leads to the store and then selections, selectors to get the data back out. So that's all Redux. That's not React. That's correct. All right. So we're really talking about Redux, which is a pattern for state management in the client application. Okay. All right. Right. And the words all blur together, don't they? Yeah, they kind of do. Oh, yeah. 
because so there's react the framework which is about the components and how they all come together mm. and the rules for assembling components and it doesn't say anything any more than angular does right or view about how you yeah. will manage it. it only talks about how you will communicate with the screen and among the components yeah mm -hmm. okay redux was invented by people you know who are part of the react team right the vector at facebook in order to solve their problem with managing state shared state which means simply that the same objects show up in mm. multiple guises in different components often on the same screen and they needed to solve this problem that state management problem for them it was really important because people were going crazy with having two different things claiming to know what this bit of Russian propaganda was about. <laughs> or this, this particular value, right. <laughs> but they were smart enough to separate it well enough that when they got a good state engine working, people adapted it to their other UI solutions. Yeah. You know, we're all looking at each other trying to take the best ideas. And mm -hmm. sometimes people paint this as a war of React against Angular and Angular mm -hmm. against Vue and all this other stuff. And it's really, I, I think there's a certain amount of maturity that is somehow found its way in here. Is it just a, a war against bad web design? Like, isn't that really what it is? Is like, how do I make manageable, maintainable web apps? Yeah. Yeah. And you have a philosophy. You know, React has a philosophy. It's different than the Angular one. Sure. You know, they have operating principles, and you, mm -hmm. you see where those principles take you, and you find out which approach suits your way of doing business. Right. Well, and, and part of it, I also wonder, based on the work that you're doing, you sort of take a philosophy and you run it to its logical manifestation until you hit those rough edges and then look back and say, is this enough landscape that I can build what I need to build? Or am I hitting a wall before I get to the good part? Yeah. Yeah. If there was one right way to do this, we'd all be doing it. So there's clearly more than one way to be successful here. And there are ways to fall off the cliff. And then, then there are, you know, trying... Some things are just good for certain sets of problems, better for certain sets of problems than other problems, right? Sure. Right. They just fit better. There's a heck of a lot of tooling involved in both React and especially in Angular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you know like, like in Angular, if you like TypeScript, man, that's your place. All right. But if you, yeah. you know, and I love TypeScript and you can use TypeScript with the others, but it's first class in Angular. Right. If that's important to you, that's going to shade you over there. But then on the other hand, they've got, they, you know, Angular has like a million things you have to learn. And it's just, sometimes I want to throw my hands up and say, oh no, not another twist on that story. And so something like Vue becomes really attractive because they've watched the other two frameworks get build their complexity. And they've said, hey, you know what? Let's sift out the best ideas and throw away the ones that we don't use so much and shrink the surface area. Right. And there's always, every technology we do kind of goes through that cycle. You know, they start great. They start simple. Then they add more and more to solve more and more problems and reach farther than they can reach. And the, the experts get in there and everybody thinks that they have, you know, they, you should have this feature and that feature. And it explodes with features and explodes with tooling. And then somebody else comes along and says, enough already. Yeah. Don't need all of that. Yeah. I only need this. Yeah. So that's, that's what happens. And it's happening here, and you just got to figure out what's what's right for you. Yeah, no question. And it is just like that kind of, well, it goes to a point where somebody else makes a simple version with a twist, with a slightly different philosophy, and you go again. And now we're all, it, it feels like the momentum of just keeping on spitting out new JavaScript libraries has eased off, 
and we're being a little more reflective and getting up to real version numbers. I mean, what's Angular at? Seven? Like, that's almost a product. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And the thing is that they start to have enough people who know what they're doing in them yeah. that you can share knowledge. There are great communities yeah. around React. There are great communities around Angular. There are great communities around Vue. So it's no longer the entire Wild West, and you're not just alone out there. Yeah. And so, yeah, the thing that could disrupt these platforms right now is WebAssembly. Right. That's the only thing I see that could disrupt it. Oh, yeah. In some ways, it's almost a reboot. What's your take on WebAssembly? Like, what, do you, what are you thinking about it? I'm just wildly impressed, but it, I'm keeping it at a distance. I don't know. I, you know, what I know is that, for, for example, there's a huge investment of all these people, like in C Sharp and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Built all this great stuff, all that great WPF stuff. And to be locked out, to be frozen out of the browser as they currently are, mm-hmm. it's horrifying. It's horrible. It's, you know, I mean, and suddenly somebody comes along and says, well, guess what? If we get this WebAssembly thing going, everything you've ever written will just run in the browser. And like you said. Hmm. That sounds pretty mythical, actually. It's not going to happen that way. <laughs> that's crazy talk. Yeah, that's crazy talk. Come on. And you know what? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Got Sanders is behind this thing. I saw a little demo. They they got some crazy. I saw some crazy demo today of running Firefox inside of Chrome inside of something. It was like you gotta be kidding me. It reminds me of the day when Glenn Block said JavaScript's for real, and you should even run something on the server. And I told him, "Yeah, go pound sand." He was absolutely nuts. And now look what we do. Well, he's still nuts. But, yes, he yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> and and let's, let's all be very clear here. Betting against Steve Sanderson is very unwise. Oh, gosh. The man has a string of hits that is hard to argue with. Yep. Yep. And the fact that Miguel Diacaza decided that what Steve was doing was a good idea and poured some of his resources into it, that's, yeah. you know, that's some seriously big guns. And the thing is, it's not just Microsoft that thinks WebAssembly no. is, is killer. Now, the Golang guys are doing it. Like we're, right. WebAssembly is a place to put languages inside of the browser, and that's really interesting. Microsoft is like, first we zigged, then everybody zigged, zag. <laughs> I think it's just a very, it's the very important technology to watch. Yeah. Somebody's got to build something. It's never going to get more important if it's not built. And certainly, exactly. you know, Right now, when when I look at Blazor 0.050, the only thing I see that makes total sense to me is like validation code, literally the same class library running in the browser and on the back end. But the UI stuff is nothing yet. You're still yeah. you're still essentially thinking JavaScript or thinking HTML when you're when you're thinking about renderings. But UI is like the last thing to get done, right? Usually, we'll see what they do. I remember when Mono was working on their stuff, like yep. the Windows Forms libraries were sort of like the the least important to them. They they needed to get the plumbing done before anything like that could be. Yeah. Well, and here's the here's another key difference though. It has a great interop story. Right. Terrific interop story that none of these other platforms that we're talking about had. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's not Silverlight where you have to write in XAML. Yeah. It's not Silverlight which had to be a plugin that all the browsers could kick out. This is WebAssembly is going to be in the browser, right. so you don't yeah. have to worry about having the rug pulled out from under you. Yeah. No. And it has a terrific 
interrupt story. Yeah. Well, because it's literally running in the same context as JavaScript. Like it's exactly. it's just opening up the, the language can so that other languages can come in. Exactly. So I'm excited about it from a, you know, from a distance. You know, who knows, in two or three years, maybe I'll be building stuff in it. You're one of those happy JavaScript guys who's been living in the happy JavaScript neighborhood, and all of a sudden, somebody weird moved in next door, and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> what is this? Oh, God, a Canadian or something has moved in, yeah. <laughs> They're very polite, but strange. <laughs> and they tend to drink a lot of scotch. They drink scotch. <laughs> you know, you see them go behind a tree, you got to wonder what's going on. <laughs> They have bears. We have mosquitoes down here. They have bears up there. Yeah. Yeah. Ward, you don't know this. This is before the show started. I had a tough bear day today. Where <laughs> both houses had bear visits in the same day. Not that they did any damage. The blackberries are out. So up on the coast here, the bear walked, hit all the blackberry <laughs> bushes all the way around the property. But up on in the suburban house, one of the two-year-olds is a couple running around. He just sort of parked himself on the front deck this morning and freaked out the house cleaner. Like, she's like, I don't know what to do. It's like, <laughs> well, I would stay inside for starters, but, and, oh, uh, you know, he'll, he'll move on. He's not a big deal. If you really want to scare him, like, I'd just scare him off. I'm used to bang some pots together. We blow air horns. Like, they need to stay afraid. But, yeah, yeah it's some, for some people, it's too much. She's just staring out the window at, that's a bear. Yes, that's a bear. It's like a dog, only smellier. <laughs> yeah, I saw this crazy meme on Facebook yesterday. And so, this is the 22nd we're recording this. So, it just came out. And somebody got video of a family of black bears totally overtaking their backyard swimming pool. Yeah. It's an above ground pool and there's like a bear on his back spitting water. There's one going down the slide. There's another just, you know, who grabbed like an inflatable raft and is having fun with that. They're in it. They're on top of it. They're balancing on the edge and diving in. It's ridiculous. Oh, what a party. They are having a good time. Yeah, that's true. The bears know how to party around here. Well, and up on the coast, we're also, it's weaning time for the harbor seals. Hmm. So there's baby harbor seals calling. Well, they're not really babies, they're adolescents. They're calling for their mamas, and their mamas have ditched them. It's like, go feed yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's a menagerie up here. That was a tough moment. I remember that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ward, any last-minute uh, plugs or resources you want to share with us? Well, you know, the NGRX data thing, I think, is really interesting. Uh, the RxJS is, you know, I think that there really is a future in RxJS and reactive programming yeah. on the client side, and you've got to look at it. Mm. There's a really, you want to get into what reactive programming might really look at. It. There's a framework called CycleJS, which will never go anywhere but takes reactive programming thoughts to the extreme and it's beautifully written. Hmm, nice. So check it out. If you want to have your brain melt about what possibilities. <laughs> Are you thinking too clearly? Let me damage you. <laughs> Let me damage you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, have you heard of microdosing? <laughs> sort of like the homeopathic version of drugs. Yes, exactly. You know, take the short trip, you know. The right. one, you know yeah. When I was growing up, it was like, there goes the weekend. But Yeah. 
Now it's just a ride on the bus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm riding to Oakland. I think I'll microdose this. It's my lunch hour. I'll have a I'll have a <laughs> glass of soda and a sandwich and a little LSD, and I'll be back to work. Yeah. What could happen? <laughs> so, so anyway, Cycle Jazz is your microdose of strangeness. Okay, I love it. I'll include it in the show notes, man. Cool, cool little find. Thanks, Ward. It's always great to talk to you and. This is no exception, and I'm sure we're going to see you at Dev Intersection. Oh, Angular Mix. Yeah. Oh, what am I saying? You got your own show. Yeah. What the heck? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, great. Yeah. See, so you are speaking Angular Mix. I am. Uh, I am indeed. You are. Let me let me do the full call out then, just to be appropriate. So sure. that would be Angular Mix in Orlando, October 10th to 12th. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it would. And I'm doing a workshop there, too. At the Royal Pacific Resort at Universal Studios? That's the very one. Wow. And are you doing a workshop, Ward? I am. I am. I'm doing a workshop. What's it on, buddy? What's it on? It's RxJS. So I'm talking NGRX and I'm talking RxJS. Awesome. And, you know, if you're hearing this, you've got the teaser. Check it out. Very good. Yeah, no, if you if this excites you, watch Ward. And, it's a great day, by the way. I've hung around with Ward for a whole day. It is good fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a great day to get enlightened and uh, think more seriously about Reactive. That's very cool, dude. All right, Ward, thanks again. And we'll see you, dear listener, next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in september 2002 and make sure you check out our sponsors they keep us in business now go write some code see you next time got a transmitter band by the fcc